It's 1995. The world we know has changed. Put on your Sunday best, kids. We're going to Sears. But the Brady's never will. With Mike. If your sister would wear her glasses, she just might improve her eyesight. Carol. Honey, I think you've stirred that enough. I'm not scaring. I'm looking for Katie Carrie's underpants. Great. This is a car, Jack. Of course this is a car. Yeah, but my name's not Jack. It's Greg. Bobby and Cindy. So why don't you hop back on the Swiss Miss package where you belong, huh? Okay. Peter. Lunch looks pretty rank. What'd you bring? Pork chops and applesauce. Jan. Hi, everybody. The new Jan Brady. Marsha. Oh, my nose. I'm sure no one will ever notice. No, I'll never be a teen model. And Alice. The Brady Bunch movie. Marsha did it again. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hello, welcome back. Hi, listeners. Hi. We're back again. Everybody out there. My name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these are, are the movies that made us gay. Welcome to the show. It is just us today. We do not have a guest. Yes, it is just us. Just family today. And uh, what a family mm-hmm. that we are here to review. Exactly. Well, we talked about the Brady Bunch movie. Yay, the Brady Bunch movie. A movie that Pete and I fucking love. Oh, my God. I think that we watched this movie... Like four or five times a year, probably. At least. At least? Yeah. Yeah, so the Brady Bunch movie, uh, released February 17th, 1995, 25 years ago. Can you believe that? I cannot believe that this movie is 25 years old. It's a little late on the applause meter for that one. That was for the intro of the movie. But yeah, 25 years. That's insane. This- and I didn't realize that until I literally 10 minutes ago got out my calculator and figured out 25 years. Yeah. Because um, 95 is still not a year that I associate being 25 years ago. I mean, to me, 1995 is will always be 10 years ago. Yeah. And I think about 10 years ago, around 95, that's that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of always going to be that in my head. Um, yeah, that was a good time for me. Uh, it was my senior year of high school. I was a kid in 95. <laughs> Good year to just be a, a little gay boy. Yeah. We got the Brady Bunch movie in Clueless. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. There's some there's some gay shit in this movie. Yes. If you guys are not quite sure why we decided to review this. Oh, we'll uh, get into you'll it. You'll find out. There is some kooky, queer shit in this movie. Um, not the least of which is uh, Mike Brady. Oh yeah, being played by a super gay man in real life, but the character on the show, not uh, not Gary Cole, not Gary Cole. Gary Cole, excellent in this movie though. Gary Cole is so good. I like his Mike Brady. He's so good. He does such a great Mike Brady impression. Um, But yeah, what else you got? Directed by Betty Thomas, movies that made us gay all star from True Beverly Hills. We loves us some Betty Thomas. Yes, indeed. Betty Thomas is amazing. She played uh, in True Beverly Hills. She played the evil. Troop leader from Mar Vista, uh, Velda Plender, in Troop Beverly Hills, and she was she was the leader of the Red Feathers, the evil Red Feathers, mm-hmm. who were out to get uh, one Miss Phyllis Neffler, played by Shelley Long. Also, uh, 
what's the what's the Chicago um, comedy? Oh, they're both in the second. They're city. both in the second city. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Both Second City alums. Velda Plender and Phyllis Neffler, two amazing movie names, if I've ever heard them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now uh, now Betty Thomas is directing this movie. She is one of, in the 90s, a uh, handful of female directors that you can count on one hand. You can count on probably two or three fingers. It was Betty Thomas, <laughs> uh, Penny Marshall. Yeah. Uh, Mimi uh, Leader. Yeah. Who did Deep Impact in the in the Peacemaker. Yeah. And Anne Fletcher, trying to think of other... Uh, who directed Clueless? Oh, a- Amy Heckerling. Amy Heckerling. And Penelope Spheris, who directed mm-hmm. Wayne's World. Which I think that kind of this and Wayne's World are kind of like... they're Kindred co- spirits. Kindred spirits. Yes, indeed. Cousins. Yes, indeed. Both produced by Paramount. Yes, indeed. So let's set the scene. <laughs> In the 90s, there was a big nostalgia craze in movies where you started to see a lot of classic TV shows adapted to movies. Yes, indeed. There Sounds was familiar. Dennis the Menace, <laughs> um, the Beverly Hillbillies. There's a Leave it to Beaver movie. A Leave it to Beaver oh, movie. Geez. Yep. But all kind of very family movies. Yes. And what I think is super cool about the Brady Bunch movie is that it takes a very, um, some might call it square property. Yes. And they kind of give it this curious edge to it. Yes. Like it's not a movie for children. No. It's a movie made for people that remember growing up on the Brady Bunch and for kind of high schoolers in 1995, which I think is pretty cool yes and what works about the brady bunch as a property to kind of make subversive is that the time frame in which it took place late 60s early 70s was very psychedelic all the clothes were Mm kind of kooky the hairstyles were kind of nutty and this square family their clothes were so weird and out there and this house was weird and out there and to people on the outside looking in and there's a lot of jokes about this in the movie it just seems like these people are on another level like they're all stoned you know so it's like looking at this family like they're a bunch of like kooky potheads but they're not they're just uh, really square um i often make the analogy of um, Full House is kind of like the Brady Bunch of the 90s. Absolutely. And the way that yes. we as kids watched Full House, and we knew that this was not real. And you knew that it was heightened, that no houses yes. look like this. Yeah. We knew as kids that yes. we don't interact with our parents this way. Parents don't interact with kids your, this way. Your best friend usually just doesn't barge in yeah. every <laughs> 10 minutes. And when I talk to my mom, who is the same age as Marsha Brady or Greg Brady, I think. Your mom is the same age as Marsha Brady. Yes, I think so. Um, when we talk to them and their memories of watching this show, my mom always says, I knew it was weird. And yeah. nobody said groovy. And people didn't dress like that. It I was, think that my my mom and her siblings have kind of said similar things to me. You know, and they knew it, but they watched it, you know, and they loved Marsha and they loved Greg. And, you know, it was just something that it, that kids really took to. And in reruns in all through the 80s, I remember watching reruns of this all through my youth before, and then, before the movie. And then well into the 90s. Yeah. And also sure. even before the movie came out. I mean, the Brady Bunch, like Say by the Bell, was just a staple of basic cable. That yes. if you were uh, at home in the middle of the day, say 10 or 11 a.m., it would usually be on. 
Yeah, and it's part of that Sherwood Schwartz package. It you know came with Gilligan's Island usually right after yeah, it and or even, right before it. Even Sherwood Schwartz, even at the time, kind of in the television industry, was kind of known as the lowest common denominator for <laughs> for television production. <laughs> it was this very cheesy, family friendly. Yeah, but that's what worked about it, though. Yeah, and if you watch the Brady Bunch now, which we do on the reg because we have the DVD set of the entire series. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Uncle Corey. Yep. For buying that for us. Um, I actually think that was my mom. Oh, was it? Yeah. It's, uh, it's super charming. It's just it transports you to a different time. If you're from L.A. or if you live in L.A. now, it's very interesting to watch because a lot of times it is very set bound. You know, mm-hmm. the whole thing about this show is that the house is so artificial and there's astroturf in the backyard and, and have you ever that. noticed whenever they would do outdoor scenes it's usually on the paramount lot yeah well that's what i was going to say mm-hmm. so they there are some outdoor scenes and there are some really interesting shots of la when they do get out and and go places and um so it's very fun in that aspect to like uh, you know to look at la of of the of the very early 70s and um it just looks a certain way that's just very nostalgic. And if you're into that, like, groovy, you know, like, late 60s, early 70s thing, if you like, you know, that kind of – if you're into, like, Davy Jones and Donovan and, like, all this kind of really cool music, it just – it's – I don't know. It speaks to me. And if you're just into, like – if you liked, like, Rodney on the Rock, like, Rodney Bingenheimer was yeah. in love with Marsha Brady. She's, she's Godhead. <laughs> that was like that was like Rodney's like Marsha Brady and Annette Funicello, and if you kn- know what that means to get why that they are kind of like subversive and punk and like cool, kind of these weird rockabilly icons. Yeah. Um, and also, there's something about the Brady Bunch too. When you watch it now, it's like popping an Ambien. I think that our Chris, our, our friend Chris, and former guest. Of Masters of the Universe said that on yes. your pod, on your old podcast, uh-huh. that it's just like taking an Ambien. Like there's just something so soothing and comforting about it. Yes, it's just part of like TV history, and it's one of those things that you can just put on, and you know it's always going to be the same. And they feel like all of the Bradys are your siblings that you never had too. Yes, they're just very familiar to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you watch it too much, it does get crazy. Some episodes are really stupid. The last season <laughs> is bananas, yeah. too. Yeah, that is that is the truth. Um, it, it did go off the rails. But this movie, what this movie does and why this movie is successful is because it's a, a parody, like, but in the best way. Yes, it's a very loving parody. It's, it's yeah, they reproduced that house, like really extremely well um these actors that are involved not only do they look the part they're all doing a fine job of doing and doing impressions of these characters but also understanding the humor behind it and just getting that it's this crazy weird 60s family dropped into 1995 and the way it works this movie is such a time capsule of two eras now. The 70s and the 90s. It works <laughs> almost even better as a 90s movie. Well, the now. other thing, too, that what I thought you were going to say at the beginning is that 
in the 90s, much like now how kids these days are dressing 90s. Yes. When I was in high school in the 90s, we were raiding thrift shops to dress like the Brady Bunch. As were my siblings in the 90s. You know, yeah, we were, I was going to stores looking for, you know, short sleeve pocket tees with like stripes and like multicolored stripe patterns and, you know, uh, ringer tees and corduroy pants and uh, corduroy bell bottoms for one thing. Uh, And that was a big aesthetic at that point, just going back to this 70s look, which... The, my thing about kids dressing 90s now, I'm like, those clothes were around in the 90s, but you're wearing them wrong. Like, no sure. cool person dressed how these kids are dressing And now. no cool person, when you go into, like, an urban now, wears that many labels. No. That many labels no. from the 90s. So they're like, getting pieces right, yeah. but they're not putting it together the way we did. But maybe that's not the point. Maybe they're putting it together in a new way, but using the elements. Um, but that's what we did in the nineties. And so that's why this movie also was so like perfectly timed. It was because I was out there, you know, scouring the, uh, children's hospital of orange County thrift store, looking for t-shirts and pants and going to, you know, I did, I found my share of really cool Greg Brady esque t-shirts at Miller's outpost. I'll have, you know, I remember a big one when we would go to the bigger towns in Montana was Buffalo exchange. There was a Buffalo, a there was Buffalo, a Buffalo exchange, exchange in a uh, Bozeman. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And I there thought was it was like few, a little one-off and there was a few shop cool in LA. thrift stores around Billings. I just too. assumed it was like a one-off little consignment store. Mm-hmm. Like on, uh, yeah, there was a Buffalo exchange. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the timing was right for, you know, kids in the 90s to see these Brady kids and be like, okay, these are like style icons. And so the story is just they're the Bradys and they live in this house. And kind of the the main joke of the movie is that kind of time has marched on for the Brady neighborhood while the family still exists in their bubble. And it's marching across your face. Yes, they live in their bubble uh, in their Brady house in Studio City. And what's super clever is that when you go in the Brady house, the film stock changes. That oh, it looks it? more like television. Oh, and then shit. when they when they're outside when they're outside it's, it's shot film. more like a movie. That's true. Yeah, I did notice that even mm-hmm. – uh, even I just assumed it was because they went from studio to location. Now, I think the film stock the is lighting, a little different. And the lighting is different, but it is probably the film grain, and that's and that's why I noticed it more. Um, yeah, so little little tricks like that. Um, this movie's filled with, with really good comedians. The uh, actress who plays Alice, Henriette Martel, is a really funny stand-up comedian. Friends with Rosie O'Donnell. Ro used to mention Henriette on her show all the time. Do you think that pretty, Ellen pretty, pretty. DeGeneres read for this movie? Well, Ellen DeGeneres looks exactly like Alice. Mm-hmm. So I, I bet feel like they probably approached her. She looks like Alice now. Maybe at the time she was too young. 25 years ago, she may have read a little too young for Alice. They wanted somebody a little bit more matronly. Um, so they went with Henriette. But... Uh, yeah, I think so. But she does look exactly like her. Look it up. We'll do it side by side. Uh, Gary Cole, as you mentioned, plays uh, Mike Brady, and he does 
a really, really, really good spot on impression of Mike Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelley Long. I think Shelley Long's performance is interesting because she's not doing a direct imitation of Florence Henderson. No, I don't think she's so. She's doing yeah. her own take on Carol. Yeah. Which I think is pretty awesome. That she's just not kind of doing a carbon copy of this performance. She's making Carol her own. Yeah. While she is wearing the crazy Carol uh, mullet wig and uh, and signature pantsuits. But, um, yeah, I agree. It's not exactly like uh, you don't just close your eyes and you're like, oh, that's uh, Florence Henderson. Who, Florence Henderson, in this movie at the end, does a cameo and looks amazing. Looks like a million bucks. She's probably 65, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know. So I was reading about the Florence Henderson Henderson cameo that there was a cut of this movie that didn't have her. And when they test screened it, audiences were just like, well, where's where's the real Carol Brady? Yeah. Because they were expecting to see her. Yeah. So then they they got her back in and they picked up that last shot. It's a good scene. She plays the grandma. It works. It makes sense. Uh, She plays Carol's mom. Um, She's got she's dressed super modern, modern 90s, you know. Um, So it's a funny little gag in that the real Carol Brady is now like the modern woman. Mm -hmm. And she kind of has like a snap out of it moment with Jan. Um, If you're just kind of familiar with the Brady Bunch in passing, this movie has every hallmark. I remember some friends of mine in school we're just not having it because they're like, well, it's just lines from the show. So I was I was doing movie. a count of the number of episodes and callbacks that they do to the series. Let me, yeah. let me get a count. Hold on. I mean, every scene is just full of bits. I'm getting at show. least nine stories from episodes. There's probably like and 12 And you probably stopped in like the first 15 minutes. Yeah. I think there's way more than that. So we're, we're getting famous... And memorable storylines like Marsha getting hit in the face with a football, no mm-hmm. playing ball in the house, safety patrol, Davy Jones, the, the, new, the, new, Jan Brady. the new Jan Brady, will she please stand up, Marsha Marcia asking two guys out at the same time, Johnny Bravo, the kitty Carol is missing, and square dancing in the living room is taken from an episode as well. Yes. As are character names like Noreen, Doug Simpson... And I feel just the name Nor Marsha always had friends with crazy names like These Noreen. crazy super sixties and seventies names. Yeah. You never meet a Noreen anymore, and if you do, they're all uh of a certain age. Who's gonna name their baby Nor baby Noreen? Baby Noreen. Baby Noreen, that's weird. I don't see it. What do you call her? Also, we should mention that Noreen played by Alana Yubak. Alana we Yubak. love Alana Yubak oh, in this movie. We love Alana Yubak. Uh, if you're not familiar with Alana, you will definitely be familiar with her work in uh, Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. She plays one of Elle's friends. She plays one of Elle's friends. You know her when you see her. Just one of those actresses that you've seen her in something. Yes. Even if you don't know her name. Yes. She uh, does a voice in Pixar's Coco. Uh, she is so funny as Noreen. And the the amazing part about – the amazing thing about the Noreen character is that she's Marsha's best friend – She's in love with Marsha, and Marsha is completely 100% oblivious to the fact that Noreen is just fucking in love with her. Just and how she looks at Marsha, like Marsha, so is just so in love with her. funny. She plays, oh, oh my God, she plays it so extremely well. I have a clip of Noreen, we'll play that in a bit when we get to it. Um, but yeah, there's, 
I, I specifically remember people being upset that they're just like, it's just bits from the movie. But the way that they weave it into the story, I feel like it works. I feel like it's funny. You have to have these little bits. They do mention, you know, that they don't have uh, their saving. They spent all their savings on their trips to the Grand Canyon and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They just throw that's a little throwaway line. When in the sequel, we go back to Hawaii, but they didn't know about the sequel yet. So we'll let that one slide. But yeah, just little bits uh, of minutia from the show, if you're familiar with it, just is peppered throughout uh, everything. And one of the bigger character notes is that Jan, being the middle child, just Jan. Um, there's a lot of Jan memes going around because of uh, Jan Sport from Drag Race Season 11. But... Um, Jan being the middle child, being overshadowed. I don't want to have five brothers and sisters anymore. Um, she had middle child syndrome. She wanted to run away. She wanted to be an only child. Uh, she was always being overshadowed by Marsha. And that's a big, big uh, character be in this movie between those two those two characters. Marsha is an it girl. Everybody loves her. She can do no wrong. And Jan being the middle child, she is overshadowed by mm-hmm. her. But, you know. It's kind of where we get a lot of uh, over, uh, middle child syndrome, like awareness. Yeah. <laughs> from and let me tell you this: if you watch the episode of the Brady Bunch, will the will the real Jan Brady please stand up? When Jan utters the immortal line, "Marsha, Marsha, Marsha," Eve Plum is so good in that scene. You feel so bad for. You her. feel so. Bad for she's got to be like eleven, and that line—it's one of those things that I think people remember her saying it every single episode. But I think she only says it once. once. But she says it so well. She delivers that line with just pain in her heart. She almost stumbles over it when she delivers it in the episode. Yeah, and she's just she's a little girl. She like I said, she's about eleven years old, and she delivers it so well. And you just your heart breaks for. Her. Now, the actress who plays Jen Brady in this movie... Jennifer Elise Cox. Jennifer Elise Cox is not 11 years old. <laughs> no. I take it that this is sort of like the later Brady seasons. Cindy and Bobby are played by children. Yeah. Peter Brady, I think, is actually like a young teenage boy, the actor. Everybody else are full-grown They're fully adults like... Adults in They're their fully 20s. in their late 20s. Adults in their 20s. Um, uh, Christine Taylor, former Mrs. Ben Stiller, plays Marsha Brady. Did they get divorced? I believe so. Oh, wow. I didn't know about or that. Or maybe they're separated. Maybe they got back together, but I think they got separated for a while ago. We'll look that up. Um, Christine Taylor as Marsha Brady is like mirror image of Marsha, but heightened. Like she's, a, she's almost like a county fair or like a theme park version of Marsha. She does the most kind of uh, impression of whoever they're playing. Yes. She's doing uh, a distinct impression of Maureen McCormick. Mm-hmm. I think especially Maureen McCormick from the later seasons, too. Yes. Because they don't quite make Marsha into this blonde bombshell on the Brady Bunch until probably the last two seasons. Right, right. Because um, Marsha does very, very much look a lot younger in the early seasons. Um, also, I'll just say, Jan in the later seasons, I think is stunning. 
Oh yeah, she's maybe a little more beautiful than Marsha. Yeah, Eve Plum. Eve Plum is a very beautiful girl, and as um, as they age in the series, she really, yeah, she really comes into her own. And the whole middle child thing, you're just like, what? Um, we also have to mention that Jennifer Elise Cox is, I feel like, is doing an impression of Melanie Hutzel from Saturday Night Live on the Weekend Updates, doing an impression of Jan Brady. Breast Be- implants. Breast implants. Breast implants. Hi, I'm Jan Brady. You know, for years, women have been spending a ton of money on silicone breast implants and various other cosmetic surgeries. Well, when I was 12 years old, I wanted to be more like my older sister, Marsha. All I heard all day long was how great Marsha was at this and how great Marsha was at that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha! Melanie Hutzel came from the Groundlings in L.A., and she famously did the real-life Brady Bunch on stage. Which is kind of what the what inspired this adaptation, too. Yes. And uh, she played Jen Brady uh, with Andy Richter as Mike Brady and uh, Jane Lynch as Carol. I bet Jane Lynch does a really good Carol. Yeah. And, uh, again... My older sister, my, like, inspiration, when she was in college, went to the Real Life Brady Bunch with her friends, and that was the thing. It was reality bites. It was, we're going to sit around and talk about old shows from the 70s. I mean, it's pretty much we what, live in LA, what, gonna... the, what the Janine Garofalo character is in Reality Bites is that she's obsessed with all this shit. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna go to this cool underground theater in LA to, like, watch this show with these weird comedians that were not famous and will be famous in 15 years you know and uh i was just like that sounds so cool and there was no youtube i couldn't look up mm-hmm. what the hell the real life brady bunch was i just had my sister to tell me what it what it was i think the i think the full a full performance of that is on youtube right now it's like really if shitty if you want to look it up mm-hmm. um and yeah, Melanie Hutzel got uh, hired on Saturday Night Live like a year or two later and would do Jan Brady on Weekend Update. I would do that impression at school to my friends and they would laugh and laugh. And uh, and that's the thing. You know, I a teenage boy, I'm doing impressions of, of, a, of Jan Brady. Oh, it was Melanie Hutzel doing Jan Brady on the Weekend Update desk. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and getting my friends to laugh. By the way, I'll have you know. Um, but it's like, yeah, I don't think it gets any more queer than that. But um, so Jennifer Elise Cox is definitely doing this impression, and we'll we'll definitely post some of that. One time, I saw my brother Greg in the schoolyard with some other guys, and he was smoking. All right, Jen, easy, easy there. No, he was smoking. Hey. So I think that we should start kind of how this movie is introduced. Okay. And this... I mentioned earlier that this Mm -hmm. movie is a time capsule of two eras. It's a time capsule of the 70s inside the Brady house. But when you leave the Brady house, this movie is a 90s time capsule in a way that's crazy. Because... It's very specific. I feel like it's so over the top 90s, it's almost as if you were to make a 90s movie 
now how over-the-top crazy they would go with, yeah. the, you know, there's, like, the opening montage over the credits is, like, every 90s L.A. stereotype wrapped up into two minutes mm-hmm. over this, like, fake grunge song. We'll play a little bit of of the song. Like, what is this, first of all? It's, like... There's a little bit of like living color in there. I'm I'm hearing a hints of Rage Against the Machine. Little Alice in Chains. The the vocal is very Alice in Chains yeah. when it comes in, but it's just a fake grunge song. Um, you immediately get traffic. You get smog. You get people on uh, car phones. People reading philosophy. Oh, that like. That sound, that yeah, that yeah. that little hook right that there. That little hook right there yeah. brings me back. Uh, reading, reading philosophy while stuck in traffic. Too. That was in L.A. Story. That's an mm-hmm. old gag. Um, There's that shot of uh, this well-known car wash off Sunset Boulevard that we just passed the other day, and it looked all sad now. Yeah. Um, there's a shot of Cafe 101. Mm-hmm. It says last cappuccino before the one. What do the signs on the freeway say? They say like gang shooting or something. Yeah, yeah. Those like freeway like signs made of lights, but, like freeway shooting or something like that. But this opening just really sets the tone of the culture clash between the Brady world and the world that they live in. Yes, because this is sort of like. They're coming the, from the idyllic blue sky, mm-hmm. which it wasn't a blue sky in the in 1971. It looks super gross in L.A. 70s smog. Yeah, that's where we mm-hmm. get this. That's where the smog came from. Was from the damn 70s. My mom always says that she never saw blue skies as a kid because <laughs> it was brown in L.A. But you know, on the Brady Bunch, the sky was always blue, and so you know you have to juxtapose crazy moody L.A. with like. People at the bus stop are on car phones. That is crazy talk. Yeah, in 1995. It's just that was crazy kind talk. of like the place of cynicism coming out of the Reagan 80s of yeah. America. Yeah, this is like Generation Xers rejecting their baby boomer parents' ideals. Yeah, and what can a family like the Bradys teach all of these people? Just you know, mm-hmm. when you're feeling down, just. Hop in a potato sack. Yeah. And square dance with your siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's morning at the Brady house, and it's just a typical day when we got to go to school. And uh, it opens like an episode would open. It does. It opens exactly like an episode. The, the music cues are exactly the music cues from the show. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting is that I thought that it was a like one to one perfect replica of the house set. Not quite. But when we watch that HGTV show, They pointed out the differences. And I love that Eve Plum was super quick to correct that the movie house isn't exactly like it was in real life. Because Eve. And the bedroom is a little different. Yeah, the girl's bedroom is is, is a little different. The HGTV show was charming. It was cool to see them try to match it how it was in the show. Yeah, I mean, what they couldn't match in Dimension because... You couldn't fit all that into a house. It would have to be like the size of like spelling man. They tried though to like fit it all in there. They matched in the textures and the 
color scheme and the exact patterns of everything, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, we start off in the girls' bedroom, and it's like, granted, six kids, it's a lot of kids, but cramming six kids into two bedrooms. Well, oh Marsha does end up moving upstairs. Oh, no. I think that she just she shares the upstairs attic with Greg, yeah. and then just Greg ends up in the attic. Yeah, Greg gets That's how it goes. Because he's a boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she, but she believes in women's lib, this new thing called women's lib. So she tries to get up there. But uh, it starts off in the girls' room, and there's some classic Marsha and Jan. Jan, did you move my trophies? Yes. I couldn't look in the mirror without seeing the awards of the great Marsha Brady. Um, I believe these are my white knee socks. Not everything in this room is yours. See, Jan, I told you they were mine. Now put them back and don't forget to close the drawer when you're done. She has every right to be mad. They are her socks. But why does Marsha get all the socks? Why does Marsha get all the trophies? Why does Marsha get all the good drawers? Yeah! Why does Marsha get everything? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha! First utterance of Marsha, Marsha, Marsha in the mm-hmm. movie. Um, <laughs> First time that they bring up the voices. Inner voices. That's good. <laughs> we haven't even talked about the uh, cameo appearance by RuPaul as guidance counselor Mrs. Cummings. Really great. Uh, really. Well, great when cameo. they go to school, this is just like the trashiest <laughs> L.A. Valley school that you can think of. Yeah, the Bradys are going to. I think they very purposely tried to uh, make the school look a little dangerous. Was shot at Taft High School in Woodland Hills. Yes, indeed, which I'm sure is a fine high school, but you know they just went out of their way to make it seem a little sketchy for these kids. You know, there's like grunge kids everywhere because it's the '90s rock and roll kids with long hair. Uh, Jack Noseworthy, who we love from Cecil B. Demented, is in this. Plays their one of the one of the neighbor kids who's just who like, is he in Cecil be demented the I believe he's the hairdresser who is fucking Michael Fess uh, oh. not Michael, he's fucking, um, Michael Shannon Michael Shannon and he wants to be gay so he could be with Michael Shannon but he's not he's straight and he hates himself for it and he's filled with self hatred so he's a he's a self hating heterosexual and he and he's a hairdresser yeah and uh, he's their next door neighbor yes. In the movie. Yes. And they hate the Bradys. Mm-hmm. Um, at the school is where we we get introduced to some plots with the kids. Um, this is where we do meet Noreen, Marsha's best friend and uh, hopeful love interest, but not quite. And we get introduced to the hunk Doug Simpson. Big man on campus. Big man up, Big man on campus. <laughs> That's a, that is such a like dated like 50s. 60s like uh, reference the big man on campus but i like that these guys are just as they would be fascinated with marcia yes because she's this this beautiful blonde that just sort of lives in her own world god she drives me crazy she's good i gotta have that i live next door to her and she's harder to get into than a pearl jam concert great line yeah even at the time that line was just like grown that was a that was a groaner, 
even even in the nineties. But I mean, she is harder to get into than a Pearl Jam concert. But this is where we meet Noreen, the wonderful Noreen. Hi. Oh, guess what? My mom said I can sleep over. Oh, really? Yes. It's great, Noreen. Guess what else? Doug just said hi to me. He is so dreamy, isn't he? Yeah, I guess. If you like that sort of thing. So, can I carry your books to class? Sure, Noreen. After all, you are my best friend. <laughs> uh oh, here comes Doug. Go away. Sure. No, no, stay. Okay. No, no, leave. Fine. No, no, stay and pretend I just said something really funny. What? Oh, oh. Hi, Marsha. Yeah, she's just super oblivious, and you are my best friend. I don't know. I just think it's, it's charming. It's I love cute. that how Marsha just found herself with this, with this like closeted lesbian. Yeah, uh, Noreen's it's wardrobe funny joke. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wears like bandanas and like oversized baggy t-shirts and like vests. It's very like very like nineties like teen lesbian character. Um, very cute. Yeah, love it. Lesbian icon, Noreen. <laughs> Indeed, there's a very there's a very cute scene where Noreen's sleeping over and they're sharing marshes. Twin bed. That shot of them in bed. <laughs> I thought. I'm sorry, Marcia. I thought that was my. I leg. That was my. Leg. <laughs> yeah, and Alana's just like fast talking, kind of like delivery. Just that really funny, mm-hmm. like fast talking. I thought that. I thought that was my leg. <laughs> it's really good. Let's see. Oh, Mrs. Cummings. We got. I mean, there's a like. Once they get to the school, it's like bam, bam, bam. There's a lot of like. Yeah, there's a lot stuff. coming out at you. Yeah. Um. This is where. Jan has to wear glasses. And I mean, Jan doesn't want to wear the glasses because they make her look positively goofy. Mm-hmm. Positively goofy. And Eve Plum's delivery of positively goofy is amazing. It's very like, it's almost like a little Holly Golightly. Like the way Eve Plum says Oh, I never it. thought about that. Yeah, yeah totally. She's just, she's just like, glasses would make me look positively goofy. It's like, what? What? Yeah. What? <laughs> Positively, who the fuck came up with and that that's line? That, but that's that sort of Brady dialogue. Yeah, that nobody really talks like Positively it, but goofy. it exists in the world of the Bradys. Yeah, just like the boys calling each other like turkey and like all that kind of thing. Um, so Jan has he got? And I have to say, the glasses that Jan wears. They kind of match them in the movie. On the show, they're super nerdy. Yeah. Like, they're like these oval, super, bold. super nerd alert. Yeah. But I mean, again, it was in like 1972. So, like, who knows? Maybe that was a little bit more on trend, but like, ugh, I can't deal with them. But um, so she, you know, Jan in the movie leaves the house in her glasses, but then puts them away in her like big, like crocheted. Like duster vest she that she's wearing runs into the runs into the trash can. Yeah, but it's very cool because she's wearing like this loose crochet like duster vest that's like past her knees and has like tassels and it's white and it has this like loose crochet. So what she does is she takes the glasses off and gets like one arm of the glasses and like pokes it through one of the little holes in her like vest. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting little note of how she does that of like what she's wearing. Like I don't have a pocket, but I'm gonna like. Poke I'm, it through the hole of put this, it in my vest. Of yeah. this vest 
that's like built into the to the like crochet loops. So yeah, so there's like little funny character or little funny like physical comedy beats of her like not being able to see and she runs into like the walls and all that. So she goes to the guidance counselor, Mrs. Cummings, and again it's this '90s school with a bunch of like roughneck, you know, street tough kids. And so Mrs. Cummings, the guidance counselor, is expecting, you know, the worst out of Jan. And what do we get? So, Jan, what can I help you with? Teen pregnancy, uh, bulimia, uh, suicidal tendencies? No, it's my stupid glasses. Oh. I know I should wear them. Oh. I look at myself in the mirror every morning, and I say to myself, Jan, put on your glasses. But then I say, you look like a super creep. Take them off. It's like my head tells me to do different things, and I get very confused. Inner voices? Good. That's good. Let's explore that. What does she mean, inner voices? I don't think that's any of her business. But it's her job to ask questions. You are so dumb. I don't have inner voices. Now, Jan, paranoid schizophrenia is very common amongst children of blended families. You are the middle child, aren't you? Middle child? Don't you mean Marsha Brady's little sister? Wait a minute. She's just trying to help. Help? Wake up. She's just looking for an excuse to bring up Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha! Yes, I'm in the middle. Well, it sounds like you have a serious case of middle child syndrome but you needn't worry here's a copy of my book and my tapes available on iTunes in the meantime do something to make yourself stand out give you your own look apart from your siblings a new look that's it gee thanks Mrs. Cummings Uh, Jan Come back when you're pregnant. <laughs> and girl, you better work. And that was the last time RuPaul told anyone named Jan that she better work. Aww. <laughs> Poor Jan. <laughs> but you have to hand it to Rue. I mean, like, 25 years ago, those, like, Rueisms, she had them in this movie. Oh, Rue yeah. had those signature she ha- phrases. She had that character, like, locked down. She had those phrases on the Arsenio Hall show, like, in 1991. I was trying to think, was this the first time I ever saw RuPaul as a kid? But I think that she was just a staple of MTV, too. She was always That you around. would just always see her She's places. always been around. Mm-hmm. You had to have seen the CoverGirl video. Of course, yeah. That, even when, by the time this movie was out, that song was. The CoverGirl video, and she would sometimes be on, like, House of Style. Yeah. That you would that you were just familiar with her. It's B-52's videos. Mm-hmm. I love Mrs. Cummings has a giant, like, black afro. But it's not quite an afro, but it's, like, natural hair. It's like it's daytime na- afro. It's natural hair, and it's black. And Rue doesn't wear black hair, so it's, like, very... It's a little, you know, different. It's a little yeah. different for her. It's a character. She's not playing mm-hmm. Rue. She's playing a character. And she is playing a woman. And she's playing a woman. A woman. Yeah. This is this is the the school guidance counselor. Yeah. And you have to wonder if that part 
was like we have her in mind. Yeah, I, it would. Be is so- it gonna be? Is it gonna be a stunt character? Is mm-hmm. it gonna be, you know, RuPaul or Patty Hearst or you know what I mean? Like somebody mm-hmm. that's gonna be that kind of jarring John Waters esque kind of like. Oh, that's funny because it's the Brady Bunch and it's a throwback, so you want to have familiar faces. So yeah. Yeah, it's very clever casting. I would imagine that there's a story of just Mrs. Cummings and the yeah. creation of this character. Yes. They and Mrs. Just... Cummings comes back in the sequel, mm-hmm. very Brady sequel, with they her meet daughters. Her at the pool. Yeah. Her daughters, Moesha and Jan. Isha. I don't, we don't Jan-isha. know. We don't know Jan's, I don't know. Jan's name. I love that I love <laughs> that um Moesha has these beautiful braids too. <laughs> oh yes. I told you not to fight with your sister. But this was fully like the workroom pep talk from Drag Race. Talking about your your mm-hmm. inner demons. Yep. Your inner saboteur. That's very rude. Don't let that inner saboteur. Rue is all about the inner saboteur. Because why? The calls are coming from inside, from inside the, house. the house. I think she would tell Jan that today. You know where that's from. Calls are coming from inside the house. Scott, what is your favorite I mean, movie? I mean, it's from uh, One of Stranger Calls. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Don't forget, this is a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Gotta let the children know. I just assume <laughs> that everyone knows about One of Stranger Calls. Oh, no. And One of Stranger Calls Back. Oh. The S- Superior movie? The Superior movie. <laughs> Which we still need to finish. I still need to have you finish that movie. Mm-hmm. I thought we did finish it. No. <laughs> the ending of that movie is scary, too. Well, there you go. Um, so, yeah. So, that's Rue's, That's her big scene. But, you know, she gets, she gets a... It's all we need. She comes back in the sequel. Yep. It's all we need. It's funny. She gets her cue. She gets her song. And, um, and Jan comes up with a, with a new look. The new Jan Brady, which is hilarious. Um, we talked a little bit about the neighbors, the Dittmeyers. Played by a um, uh, just got off of designing women, Gene Smart. Yeah. So I was mentioning well, this. Well, Gene Smart plays Mrs. Dittmeyer. Mrs. Dittmeyer. And Mr. Dittmeyer is played by Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon, I feel like in the 90s, really made a niche for himself in these like. You play this type a lot. Kind of SNL adjacent movies. Mm-hmm. You know. Is he in Tommy Boy? Oh, God. If he's not, he should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. He actually was on Saturday Night Live for a while. In the Who 90s. is he on Clue? He's Mr. Green. Mr. Green. He's a yeah. homosexual. I'm going home to have sex with my wife. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, his character was, he was playing a homosexual because he was undercover. Mm-hmm. Oh, Clue. we got to watch Clue. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll do Clue eventually. Oh, perfect. But this would have been Jean Smart right when she finished Designing Women. And so I was mentioning as we were watching it, do you feel like Jean Smart is curiously underused in movies. Do you think that, like, Alice and Janney has kind of taken all the roles from Gene Smart? I think Gene Smart is underused, but I would say she is appreciated for her work. I think when you mention Gene Smart to people who enjoy movies, the talking pictures... And if you mention Jean people Smart, love Jean Smart. People like her work. People know her and just feel like, yeah, she's great. She's so good and everything, you know, kind of a thing. She was just in the Watchmen TV series okay, for HBO, sure. so she was just in that. 
Um, although that's not getting another season. Well, it was it was designed for a one. Damon show. Lindelof designed it for one season because mm-hmm. he's just too cool for like. Me. Um, but yeah, she's in that. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like she should be more well known. She should be bigger. She should be in more things. But you know, it is what it is. She's really funny, and then she's playing against type for the time because she would have just been coming off of Charlene. She just came off of Charlene, and uh, Charlene just was a very naive kind of. She was definitely the Rose Nyland of of uh, designing women. She was obsessed with pop culture and TV shows and all that stuff and and romantic. And um, Mrs. Dittmeyer in the Brady Bunch movie is a, a drunk. Oversexed, drunk housewife that yes, wants indeed. to fuck Mike, Brady, and his sons. Yes, indeed. All the Brady boys. If she, will, she will take them. Well, maybe not Bobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bobby's an actual child. But <laughs> give him a few years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, give the actor who plays Bobby in this a couple of years, and he turned fine. Oh my goodness gracious! He's one of those. He's one of those actors too that's like been on the same show for like ten years. Oh, he's on one of those CBS shows yeah. that, that doesn't really exist. Uh, on uh, a recent episode of Will and Grace, which I am still watching, uh, Jack made a very good analogy to. Uh, the existence of God to NCIS. Have you ever seen an episode of NCIS? Nope. Has anybody you know seen an episode of NCIS? Oh, I'm sure, but probably not. But but you believe that it exists, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there you go. Jesse Lee Soffer. <laughs> Jesse Lee Soffer, uh, what show has he been on for like eight years? Chicago PD. Chicago PD. How about that? I think that he's done all... Th- Chicago PD, Chicago Med, and Chicago for Fire. Sake, for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Playing the same character. Probably. Also, because it's a, a universe. A yeah. Chicago universe. And he also did... The Chicagoverse? Yeah. And then he also did a big stint on As the World Turns. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Well, he fine. Let's go to his Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go to his Instagram and check out what he's That's super cute. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. The actor who played Peter Brady kind of dropped off the map. And uh, the actor who played Greg. He has a big voiceover career. Christopher Daniel Barnes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He does a lot of Spider-Man stuff. He was my homeboy in the 80s because he was on a lot of sitcoms, just trying to, like, break through. Um, was he on Full House or am I confusing him with no, someone else? Confusing. Well, you're confusing him with Steve, who was the voice of Aladdin. Yes. Uh, Christopher Daniel this Barnes is, the of, is famously the this voice. Is the voice of Prince Eric. Prince Eric. Indeed. Yes. I like how um, Christopher Daniel Barnes plays Greg Brady because he's a little it's a little goofier. It's just he's yes. easier to laugh at and I think Because that, they tried to make Greg on the show cool. And he treats himself very seriously on the show. Yeah. I mean, he's like your your older brother that probably thinks he's way cooler than he actually is. That's kind of the character of Greg. Yeah. But in the movie Greg is like clearly just a goofball he's always trying to charm groovy chicks and write them songs on his guitar that he really cannot play yeah yeah the when he does play his guitar in this movie it is like out of tune it's completely it would be like me playing playing (laughs) a guitar yeah jesse lee sofer's instagram is cool but it's all stuff from the set the thing is he's on these like he's in he's deep in the chicago verse so I don't think he's going to have, like, shirtless pics of his, like, 
cum gutters. He's not going to be like his shirtless pick of, yeah. his, of him like walking his his French bulldog on Runyon or something. Yeah, or just like very loose fitting like gray sweatpants or anything. It's like it's de- he is deep in the Chicago verse, and his Insta is also just as deep. It's just a lot of him on set pics. Not that I'm mad about it because it's a lot of selfies, so I'll take it. Did he get shot in the face or something? Wow, this is like some special effects grossness. Go follow Jesse Lee Silver on Instagram. <laughs> and look up Christopher Daniel Barnes' is, 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 um, IMDb because he's, yes, he has done a lot of Spider-Man voiceover. He's also done a lot of uh, Disney work. Yeah. How about that? They need to get his publicist to change this IMDb photo, though. It's bad. Oh, it's like from the eighties. It's from like an eighties TV show. It is. I think it's from um that's from Day by Day. I remember that show. Day by Day. Um The whole plot of this movie is weird because the idea is that developers have come to their like cul de sac or whatever and they're buying up all the houses. That seems super 90s. To, like, develop, I don't know. They're like going to build, like, strip a, mall a or strip mall or something yeah. on on their neighborhood. Yeah, what's from the 90s that isn't here anymore that they would be building at the time? Like, a, a builder's emporium or a Montgomery Ward or something. Something that'll never, something that'll never close down. They're going to build a giant, like, th- eight-story borders books. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Brady's... Don't want to sell, but also they owe the IRS $20,000. They haven't been paying their taxes. Why does Mike Brady owe the IRS yeah, $20,000? The Brady's strike me as upstanding citizens that probably pay their taxes. This doesn't but, hold but maybe that's But maybe that's the joke, though. That they just don't know that they actually owe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's doing, like, he's filling out his, like, uh, his, like, 1040, like, by hand with like a pencil at the post office. You could still do that. I mean, it's totally legal. There's a paper 1040 that you can just take your W2 and plug in all the numbers and do the math. <laughs> it's possible. So he's probably doing that and just like getting the math wrong and not sending their checks. And so he owes all this money to the IRS and back taxes. And that's the amount of money that they need to buy their house back from the bank. So that they don't have to sell to the developers to make a giant indoor mall. And, <laughs> of course, you get the classic Brady. Uh, all the Brady's kids have to band together and try to raise the money. So yes. they all have to go out and find ways to make an income. And they yes. would do that a lot on the show, I feel. I feel like you would always see their jar with money in it <laughs> yeah. that they were raising for, like, their parents' anniversary or something. Yeah. But they do that in this movie. Yeah. They had to get, like, an anniversary present. They broke something that they have to replace clandestinely, you know, random things like that. But they do do this in this movie, and they have to uh, they have to raise $20,000. Um, oh, we didn't play Mrs. Dittmeyer's, like, sexy Oh, play that. Sexy clip. Yeah. The thing is, when you watch The Brady Bunch, Greg Brady is one of those guys who you're just like, he's cute enough. I think he would be cute if you gave him a haircut. That's that's how kind of I 
That's yes. kind of my relationship with them. Greg Brady's hair towards the end got a little too out of control. It just always looks super dry and fried. Yeah. But you know who is the cutest Brady kid is Peter Brady. Oh, yeah. He was, like, so dreamy on the show. And adult Christopher Knight, I have to say. He can get it. He can get it. He, I mean, he got, I mean, he got, he got it. He got, uh, he got um, Adrian. Adrian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very first winner of Top Model. And they had a kooky... Uh, my fair reality Brady. show, my fair Brady. I remember. Oh my goodness! Although he was kind of mean to her. Do you remember when they're on Doctor Phil? I didn't see it, but he I've was kind of mean to her. I've heard. I don't, I don't. I don't like that. But you know, you know, it is what it is. But uh, so in in these movies, Christopher Daniel Barnes is a cute guy. Yeah, and he's playing Greg Brady. And it seems that all of the housewife, the housewife, and all of the teachers think he's cute. Yeah. But all of kind of his contemporaries really don't give a shit about him. Yes. Because all the girls think he's super dorky. Mm-hmm. Because he is. He's square. You know, he's 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 uh, he's retro and they're not they're not super into it. But Mrs. Dittmeyer, on the other hand. Oh, hi, Mrs. Dittmeyer. I'm here to see Eric. Oh hi, Greggy. Oh, Greg. I'm so glad you're here. I've got some more of your mail. Oh. Oh, gee, your hands are full. Let me His pants that he's wearing in this scene Gotten are so crazy. Yeah. You're almost as big as your daddy. And I'm still growing. <laughs> right before my very eyes. <laughs> pants are so tight. Hey, Mrs. Dittmeyer. Peter. Uh, can I mow your lawn? I'm trying to earn some extra money. Sure. <sighs> Two Brady's. Tell you what, when you boys are done, why don't you come inside and help me make a sandwich? Yeah, uh, in the in the very pretty sequel, in the scenes where him and Marsha are seducing each other, and he's like shirtless in the attic, that that silhouette of him changing. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. I'm telling you, Christopher Daniel Barnes. Who knows what he looks like today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's got a weird picture on IMDb from the '80s, because <laughs> he looks crazy. We don't know. We'll find out. That's what Instagram is for. Um. So there's a competition at their school that the grand prize is $20,000. It's the search for the stars. <laughs> First prize, $20,000. $20,000. Search for the stars. Which this is straight up, I think, from an episode. Yeah. Is this from an episode? Probably. I mean, because we have to have all the Brady's sing and dance because that was a very big part of the Brady kids is that yeah. they would cart these kids out even after the show was done to do like the variety show. They recorded numerous albums. The they very took Brady them on variety tour. show was amazing by the way. And I feel like the very Brady reality show has made this like big comeback recently too online that you always see clips of it on people's Instagram accounts. <laughs> I think, well, we just follow particular people who post it a lot. And we also opened our Oscar show with a song that was on the Brady Bunch Variety Show. Yes, indeed. The Brady Bunch Variety Shower Variety Hour is uh, is kind of amazing. Um, I implore you to look it up on YouTube. Um, but they sing uh, a song called "Keep On" mm-hmm. at the Variety Show, and it even fades out at the end. <laughs> like they're supposed to be singing live, but the song fades out and just fades out. Uh, and it's kind of funny when they do when they're doing it live. But 
I would like to mention that uh, the search for uh, Stars of Tomorrow talent show. That uh, what kind of talent show is at a local high school and the prize is twenty grand, right? First of all, I know. Um, but it's hosted by Eric Nice, um, Eric from the Grind. Eric, you had to remind me what he was from on Eric MTV because I had, I completely forgotten about. Yeah, and also from the very first season, Real, Real World, World New York, New York. He was the male model who was like hot for Julie. Amazing. Um, and he's just randomly the host, but that's also so nineties mm-hmm. to just cart out Eric Nice, like just wave a paycheck in front of him, and he's there, and he's wearing like a backwards Kangol hat and like a shirt that's like eight sizes too big, and um, yeah, he looks like perplexed when the Brady's leave stage. Like, thanks, Brady's weirdo fuckers, but it's like, well, what do you do? He was <laughs> he was like the very first like. Uh, reality show like uh celebrity or person I mean, personality he, he rode the coattails off the real world for yes. years yeah when i was gonna, he was the first one to like capitalize on the success of like a reality show and just be like well now i've got this show and now i've got that show it's like all right eric from the grind you just ho- you you host a show where like horny 20 somethings like dance on a beach Let's let's take it easy, but um, they end up winning the the uh, variety show or the singing competition to get their twenty thousand dollars. There were deleted scenes of this movie because when they get to the end, I think that they deleted um, two of the other Brady kids. Two uh, of the other Brady kids um, were they killed? No. Uh, Cousin Oliver? Who? Okay, so... Oh, cameos. Who was, who was cameos from the Brady Bunch in this movie? I think that the deleted scenes... Greg were the, and Peter were the really other the two. Ones. I think it's Cindy's cameo. Yeah, Bobby. And Bobby. Yeah. But I think... Um, I think... I think that Cindy was a reporter for the National Tattler. <laughs> and Bobby was a was a police officer, I think. And Marsha and Jana just think refused to be in it. Probably. Probably Jan refused to be in it. And Peter's scene was cut a lot. It was longer. Um, And he's in the movie now, but he only has one line. And I think he had a whole scene later on. But um, no, there was a bit, and I think we saw it on Rosie, of Alice, like, hanging on a wrecking ball. Like, straight up Miley Cyrus style. Mm -hmm. Alice, like, swinging around (laughs) Like they're gonna be wrecking ball. Like they're gonna, demolish, they're the gonna demolish the house as soon as, yeah, the house is bid on. Because there's like a weird auction in front of the house. Like there's weird stuff going on. In this I movie. was kind of wondering if that happens <laughs> on properties when, that were being sold to the bank or like something. Like foreclosed mm-hmm. properties. I mean, they they do go up for auction, but I don't know if they're like in like on the lawn. There's also some really great stuff with Alice and Sam the butcher. Yeah, he's delivering tube steaks. I like that. Um, I like the neighbors are so shocked that Carol still feeds her children red meat. Well, that's very nineties. I know. Though. Yeah, it's a, in that's the nineties, mm-hmm. everything was going to kill you. Every food that we ate. I specifically remember being a kid in the nineties and just being like, "You can't have eggs. You can't have pork. You can't have meat or beef." You know. It was always something. 
and you couldn't eat it and you were going to die. You were going to get can't Everything had carcinogens in it <laughs> and was just going to kill you. And red meat was like the worst. Red meat was, I mean, and she's, and there she is getting, and the other thing about this movie is that every time they're in the kitchen, Alice is making ungodly amounts of food. Using, As she did in the show. Using, you know, pounds of ground round and lard and just making, you know, meatloaf to feed an army. But it's like, I can't even imagine having to make dinner for eight every day. Yeah. Like what that grocery bill would be. And not only eight, six of them being teenagers, three of them being boys. A, a meatloaf for eight people would be so huge. That's great, and but the the way that they have Alice like making these like these meals in the background, just like shoveling Crisco into everything, it's like just this funny little bit of business in the back um, that Alice is doing this. And uh, but the the stuff with her and Sam the butcher are, are really funny, um, and they do often make reference to to him uh, delivering meat. And dropping off tube steak <laughs> and and all of that uh, to Alice. And though there's also a scene where she is, um, she comes out of her room and she's in a like a Madonna style like bustier with like booby tassels, like golden booby tassels <laughs> on a, on this like corset. I mean, and she Alice, like, sneaks back into her. Alice room. just has this like thriving sex life. Yeah, she does with Sam. With Sam I love it. He's so a, he's they a they end up saving the house. Mm. Kind of wraps up nicely as any Brady episode does. Yes. What I think is kind of clever about this movie is that it dis- it sort of like dismantles the myth of the perfect American family and has fun with its nostalgia. And it kind of leaves its audience that we can learn a thing or two about the Brady's. <laughs> that for this kind of cynical world of the 90s, there is something to this family that always looks on the bright side. Yeah. That um, always looks in the best of people. And yeah, there's something to be learned about that. I think that 2020 can learn something about the Brady's too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Mike and Carol were just super in love with each other. Yeah. This is a a, um, a blended family as Miss... Cummings mm-hmm. mentioned this is a blended family. Uh, the daughters are all Carols, and the sons are all Mikes from previous relationships. It's interesting when you watch the first season of the show; it kind of addresses more of the blended family of, especially with Mike, because I think that with Mike they actually address the wife dying. Yeah, with Carol they just sort of they don't talk about it. You just have to assume that her husband's dead, because why yeah. else would? This woman with three daughters be getting married. Well, again. you find out in a very Brady sequel who <laughs> who the husband is. We'll talk about that if we yeah. when we do a very Brady sequel. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that the early seasons do kind of address the blended family and marriage yeah. issues too. But the thing is, when you watch the show, like Carol refers to these boys as her boys like this yeah. is just their family they call her mom you know? they call her mom they call they call mike dad the girls you know and it's just this is they're all the brady's 
And it's, yeah, it's super hopeful. You know, it's it's naive, but... Maybe we need something like that and just sort of our ultra-ironic world that we live in. Yeah. That everything just sort of... It's not really played as sincere. Well, even when you get something like Fuller House, you know, even when you watch that, like, it's written to be so, like, ironic and, like, winking at the camera. And it's like, we get that this is the full house reunion show. But it's like, even the very Brady Christmas from 1986 or 1987 was still super earnest and mm-hmm. super, like, honest. And just A very like, Brady Christmas has some oh dark shit going oh on in gosh. it, too. Yeah. That, that's an interesting one to see how they one. kind of make these characters a little more real and just roughed up by the real world. Yes. What are some of the crazy plot lines from that? So Uh, so Jan's going through a divorce. Jan is going through a divorce. Uh, She hates her husband and he hates her. Marsha's husband was just fired. From the toy company. From the toy company. And Yeah. And they can't tell the parents. None of them can tell the parents whatever it is that they're going through. So Jan's going through it with the divorce. Marsha's going through it with the deadbeat husband. Greg is uh, married or dating his Greg, boss? No, 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 no. Greg is a doctor and he's married to a doctor. But oh, the thing is, how it is, she doesn't want him to go visit his parents because... They visited his parents like five years ago or something. She's like, yeah. we have to visit my family because like, my family's married to this awful woman. Yeah. She's very much like, we got to go to my house. And then Peter is dating his boss who's a woman. Okay. And his, it was Peter. And then yeah, uh, and his, he's a, a subordinate to a woman. And, and then like Bobby the is a, uh, he dropped out of college. Dropped out of college. And he uh, races cars. Yes. And in the spinoff TV series, fully gets paralyzed. The Brady Brides. Yeah, or I don't even know if that's the Brady Brides. I think it's just like more Brady. Well, because didn't the Brady Brides try to become like 30-something? They had several spinoff sequels. So all y'all are pissed off about the reboots and the Connors and the new Will and Grace. Brady Bunch was doing it. Fuller House and all that shit. Was doing it like Um, 35 years ago. Oh, bitch. That was a new Leave it to Beaver. I don't want to tell you how many Lucys there were. Um, there was a Lucy spinoff in the eighties with, with Jenny a, Lewis, with a young Miss Jenny Lewis. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah. So this whole spinoff reunion thing is not new to Netflix. It's been going on forever and the Brady's were no stranger to it because there was the Brady brides. The, the, the very Brady Christmas was a special, but then that turned into the Brady's, which was this 30 something esque dramedy. Which was more drama than comedy because Bobby was paralyzed. <laughs> but it didn't last. Got canceled. Yeah, I feel like whenever sort of the residual checks dried up, they started the take something different. Yeah. And they probably liked the HGD, uh, the HGTV show because it was something a little different. Yeah. Like they were kind of – they they had an endgame of to – to remodel the house. So yes. it gave them a little something to do than to just reminisce about getting your nose broken by like the football I mean, or even, just reciting lines. Even though they meant they did it, a, but they, chance they, they did that a lot on that. But, but 
that started off with the Variety Hour and the Brady Bunch spinoffs were notorious for somebody not coming back. On the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, it was fake Jan. It was fake Jan. In uh, Very Brady Christmas, it was fake Cindy. Um, in the, I think they all were back for the Brady Brides pilot, but then somebody, Marsha, dropped out for the Bradys. So the HGTV series was a rare instance of all of the Brady kids coming together for uh, for something. It was very nice to see. I'll have you know. I enjoyed it. We should probably talk a little about um, Robert Reed, too. Oh, yes. Robert Reed has, has kind of a sad career. Because I think that Robert Reed, when he first started, I think that he... I think probably thought he would go on to stage work and he just ended up taking Mike Brady and you know who was offered Mike Brady before Robert Reed took it was Gene Hackman. Yes. And Gene Hackman's career would turn out, would have turned out very, very differently if he ended up on the Brady Bunch. Indeed. But yeah, just this, um, I don't know if Robert Reed was necessarily in the closet. He just didn't talk about it. Oh, he was in the closet. But in the closet. but but I mean, like, but he just didn't really talk about it at all with Florence. Any, of course, not with any of the kids. Yeah. But he became pretty close with all of the kids. Like he yeah. did sort of look at look at them as kind of his surrogate children. Yes, and uh, he notoriously did not care for the material that no they were producing on the Brady Bunch. And as the seasons go on, you can sort of see Robert Reed just getting more checked out yeah. as the seasons go on. Yeah, that's for sure. Um and then in the last season, it's interesting to go back and revisit the last season because they always write Mike out of the last act of the show somehow. Yeah. Like he's there at the beginning and then he'll just go away. And then I want to say in like the last handful of episodes, he's not even in them. He's not even in them because he would pull some diva shit uh, when they would attempt to uh, record these episodes. Yeah. And I know that he was somebody that kind of expected a little more of the scripts. Yeah. That can we sort of reel this into something that families would actually like talk about yeah for sure kind of more realistic dialogue i know that was a big issue with him yeah so uh he would pull some stunts like refusing to come out of his trailer or just not even showing up so yeah they would write him out of half the episodes and then like literally half of the episode and then uh towards the end of the season they just started writing him out altogether and he's not even in the final episode because there was no farewell show because they were abruptly canceled and they didn't get a final episode. It was just the last one that they shot and he wasn't in it. So Robert Reed lived in Pasadena where we live. Yes, he did. And I think, were you saying that it's like an E true Hollywood story or something? Yes. Something around those lines where they go to encounters in Pasadena. Yes, indeed. Um, encounters in Pasadena was, uh, was a wonderful gay bar that was at the time there were th- like I think three gay bars in Pasadena. Did Encounters close probably around like oh five? I want to say it probably closed. Yeah, anywhere between oh five and before 08. my time. Yeah, before you were here. It's the first gay bar I ever went to. That's for sure. Delta Work has a really good story about RuPaul 
showing up. Work the lights at encounters for him. Showing up to encounters to see the drag show and and seeing that there was no spotlight and Delta saying, Well, there's no one here to work the spotlight. So Rue said, Well, I'll work it for you because you always need a spotlight when you're on stage. Um I never saw any drag shows there, but I did uh have some uh fun evenings at the at, at encounters and apparently it was Robert Reed's like local hangout. Could you imagine going into encounters in like the <laughs> mid eighties or something and just seeing Mike Brady at the bar? Yeah. Just like drinking his his just like whiskey on the rocks old or something. Queen. Yeah. He would be having like a white Russian, something weird mm-hmm. and gross. Yeah. Just old Queen sitting at the bar, like lots of like turquoise jewelry and like like wrist cuffs and like weird, you know, I feel like he would be just, just decked out and, um, yeah, just kind of bitchy. Just don't mention the Brady Bunch to him. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably smoking on the patio, just like holding court. I could see it. I can see it. Um, but yeah, encounters is no longer there. It's now a, uh, farmer's insurance. They tore down the building and like raised it and built something from scratch. Where uh, where it, where it once stood, but in this E True Hollywood story, they are there. Like we are here at like local. We're at Encounters yeah. on a Friday afternoon. Oh, it's five p.m. It's like a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> There's nobody in there. It is completely empty, and it's like Mark Steinus or something. It's just like here I am, like at Encounters. Like what are you doing there? It's so weird. And I remember watching it on TV and just being like my jaw just like hitting the floor. Like oh my. God, this is too much. I can't believe they went to fucking encounters. But hey, it's immortalized. Should be immortalized because it's uh, Mike Brady's favorite local dive bar. Early seasons, Mike Brady, I think, is so handsome, too. Yeah, I mean, even later seasons. Mm-hmm. The, that weird perm just did him no favors, but he was a very handsome man. Just like striking blue eyes and dark hair, super tall. It's deep kind, voice. It's kind of uh, who who have they just done in Hollywood? It's like if Rock Hudson's career would have gone a very different direction. Sure, if just Rock Hudson just would have not really done movies and just ended up doing this family network show. <laughs> yeah, very very interesting. Interesting time for like sitcoms and you know all of that. But um, you know, the Brady Bunch is a phenomenon. It is. Uh, it forever lives on, too. It, yeah, it's never going to go away. Mm-mm. But it was like it spanned more than just like oh, it was a sitcom in like the seventies. It was like way more than that with like all the spinoffs, and now these movies. It was an animated show. You know, there's like really cool like lunchboxes and like just all this material merchandise. If you want to see a really funny YouTube clip. Look up Eve Plum on Rosie O'Donnell, and Rosie is showing her all of her Brady memorabilia, and you can tell Eve Plum Plum just does not give a shit. I love a good (laughs) interview with Eve Plum where she is just having none of people fanning out about the Brady Munch. Yeah, I mean, she she definitely has that middle child kind of sense of like... I can't even with this mm-hmm. family. Like I'm stuck with this family for the rest of my life, and you know. And also, we should mention that Eve Plum had probably the most successful movie career of all of them. 
She did a handful of really successful uh, TV movies, including Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Centerfold. No. Runaway. Portrait of a Teenage Runaway. Yeah. And she, I think that she did a few more, too. Yeah. She was also in the uh, Super Fudge TV show. Maureen McCormick notoriously bombed her uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark interview because <laughs> she was, I think, high when she went into it. Oh. So we could have had oh, Maureen man. McCormick... As Marion Ravenwood and Raiders. Know. I don't know if Spielberg would have went with that, went in that direction. So she says that she read for it. Yeah, she could have read for it. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that she had a chance of getting it. Yep. Because I feel like Spielberg would have just been too cool to be like, I'm not having Marsha Brady in my movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it would have. Yeah. They put her in there as a favor. That's that's my that's my take on on uh, on Steve. I like to think of the movie that could have been. I mean, it would have with been Marine cool. McCormick. It could, yeah, could have been as Marion. Could have been. Could have been cool. But I just, yeah. Those are my thoughts on on Steven Spielberg and what a what a cunty guy he probably is. But um, yeah, the Brady kids did not go on to greater things as far as acting. But you know. That often happens with uh, child actors. Well, do you remember a few years ago when Eve Plum sold her Malibu house? She bought yes. a house off the coast when she was making the Brady Bunch. Yeah, she, was and like, she sold it. She was like fifteen. She house. sold it like three years ago for like millions and millions of dollars yeah. too. So I think that some of them did invest that. Yeah, and it would be smart to invest it in Los Angeles real estate in the seventies. Well. Yeah, I think I feel like that was just like a lucky lucky thing on on her part. But hey, yeah, she's she's probably rolling in it now. Good for her. But you know, there's so much like lore and history and you can tell that we're deep into like the Brady Bunch minutia when it comes to it because we're just fascinated with the show, but the movie really is kind of a really fun snapshot of what everything the show is, you yeah. know, and it's a good intro to the show. If you're not super familiar with it, uh, you don't have to be, you can just watch the movie and it's still funny. Like all you have to know is that they're just like a super square corny family from the seventies. And now they're just dropped in the nineties and you can watch the movie and it's still funny. And, there's like cute boys in it and like weird, like subversive, like subversive gay shit, subversive, like straight sexy stuff like going on. Like I think Betty Thomas just really had an idea to make this kind of like a very edgy, you know, piece, a very like uh, edgy and like um, cool. Like, and it says thing. something that she was a smart director that she could comment on the 90s while they were still in it. Yeah. And when you go back and you revisit it 25 years later, it really reads as like a commentary just as much as the 90s as it was on the 70s Brady Bunch. Yeah. When they go to the school dance, there is a metal detector. There's a sign that says like no weapons allowed. You know, the decorations are, are you know, are the balloons are condoms that are blown up. And it's like no school would have condoms decorating the dance but you know it's just one of those things that this is this is the world we live in and schools have to have metal detectors these ideas like, that also that these students just rule the school yeah too. yeah 
So these are all ideas that were just kind of coming to the forefront, you know, in the 90s of like, what a crazy world. Like, I mean, now it's like even like a hundred times crazier than that. But at the time it was the first time that we were seeing that in our schools and stuff. And, and that's in there. So it's like, yeah, it's definitely this heightened version of, of what was going on in the nineties. And I think because we're dealing with property, a property from the seventies, you have to comment on what's going on in the present of, of that time frame. So yeah, it's, it's, um, and it's just really funny. Yeah. This is really funny. You can tell that it's written by SNL writers. Yeah. Like I said, it's very SNL adjacent um, with, you know, with uh, Michael McKeon and, and, and Betty Thomas and people coming from Second City and all that. All those people work together, especially in the 90s. It, it feels like it feels like an SNL movie. So um, do we have do we leave anything out? I don't think so. I think we got it. I think so. Um, definitely recommend watching this movie. It's just... It's a movie that goes on and off demand a lot on yeah, Netflix and Hulu. Yeah, that's true. If it's not there, check back in a month and it'll probably it'll be there. It'll probably be there, yeah. And the sequel is just as good. And if the sequel's on, just watch that. You don't have to watch this one to get what's going on in the sequel. And what's fun about the sequel is that the sequel really works as its own standalone episode. Yeah. And when, that's the thing about yeah. the Brady Bunch. There's so much material that they were able to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have anything to do with the first movie. And it's crazy that they didn't even write in George Glass in, in the first movie. The first movie. Yeah. Jan's imaginary boyfriend, George yeah. Glass. Yeah. And there's no Cousin Oliver in either of the movies. He was so bad that he got left out of both movies. We don't like to talk about Cousin Oliver. <laughs> we don't like to talk about that. It's a little, it's a, there's a cute little callback to Tiger. The dog. Yes. Tiger. 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 What happened to that that dog? dog. (laughs) Tiger famously just disappeared as the show went on. He's there. They just don't talk about him. (laughs) There's not enough time. But yeah, definitely recommend going out and seeing this movie. It's super funny. And try and find the Brady Bunch if you can. It's on CBS All Access. It is on CBS All Access. If you you like Star Trek and you have CBS All Access, then you've got the Brady Bunch. So, you know, I'd say come over our place and watch it with us, but... Hey, social distancing. Maybe we'll watch it on Zoom or something. <laughs> Could you imagine? We'll have Brady Bunch Film Festival on Zoom. I love it. We'll get that started in a couple weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, go watch a Brady Bunch movie because uh, we love it. Final thoughts? Scott, what do you got? <laughs> well, you can follow us on... Movies that made us gay. Yes, MTMUG Pod. MTMUG Pod at MTMUG Pod on Twitter at Movies That Made Us Gay on Facebook and Instagram. Find us on social media and anywhere podcasts are found. You can listen to us, but on iTunes, if you're listening to us there, subscribe, like, and give us five stars. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. If you don't like us, Don't write a review. But if you love us, write us a good one. Until next week, we come back with a fresh new episode. We'll see you soon. Stay safe. Stay home. Don't go outside. Bye. Bye.